At the best of times, healthcare can prove challenging to deliver. While demand continues to steadily increase, resourcing may not be able to move at the same pace. And that is where clinical innovation comes in. Looking at things from a different angle, investing in new technology, or supporting the workforce to work at their fullest scope, these projects are the heart and soul of the theme, Solving the Puzzle. So good morning everyone, Uh, my name's Janita Adams, I'm a coordinator for the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Community Health Workers. I'd like to begin by acknowledging the Torrebal and Yagara people on whose lands we're meeting today and all First Nations clans present here today and I pay our respects to Elders of the past, present and future. Um, This is my colleague Luke. Hi everybody, my name is Luke Snobitis, as Liza Jane's already introduced me so thoroughly. I'm the senior exercise physiologist working on the Sunshine Coast. So we're here today to talk about the team's response to the COVID-19 pandemic and challenges and the positive encounters that we had within the community. So uh, working relationships, um, which changed quite a lot in our communication and engagement, which included MS teams, um, which we did quite a lot of. It's not uncommon today, as we've all found working in our hospital health services. So we had to reinvent some of those pathways with uh, partners and community stakeholders and the need for social distancing, uh, and this presents even today. So we had also the increase of uh, PPE, resources and um, certainly other resources around infection control which required a lot of staff training uh, on its use and and how we were with the supplies even today were hard to resource at the time at the height of the pandemic. So with COVID touching down we had a lot of uh, community events they were cancelled or postponed these were things like Boongari, NADOC, World Persons Health Check Day These are a particularly great time for a community to come together and share information in a culturally safe space. Uh, World Persons Health Check Day was a particular big miss for us in the hospital service because it's a good opportunity for us to uh, engage with community and develop those deeper uh, relationships. At World Persons Health Check Day, uh, we actually run flu clinics. So people can come in, it's just a walk in, you come in and get a flu shot. Thanks to COVID, we have to change the way we did business on this. We have to move to an appointment model. Uh, Janita's actually written both group, group B do- documents for that, so if you want to see her afterwards and find out a little bit more. Um, what we found really interesting, because we had to run it across three different sites instead of the one place. We thought that it would be a little bit more challenging for community, uh, but that wasn't the case. In 2020, we did 184 flu vaccinations as opposed to 140 the year before uh, we worked with the Jabba Jabba program. They do our, normally do our, our little lease with the immunisations from Women's and Families Directorate. And even after we completed, GPs were contacting us and asking if we would continue on to do it because it had been so popular. Yes, thanks, Luke. So um, in line with those flu clinics, we also started COVID vaccination clinics. So um, what we would get uh, is a list uh, every day of how many Aboriginal Island people who had gone in for a COVID swab. So uh, we built a spreadsheet so we could contact those people and help them support through if they, whether they were positive or negative. And during that first part of the, the pandemic, that first year, we only ever had one case of a positive that we knew of. So, but we still kept those contacts with community. 
Uh, and you know, if um, making sure that if people were had to isolate, because uh, at that it was very early around the symptoms. Uh, so how could we support them through that um, isolating period and making sure that infection control, but also isolating from other members of the household? So that was a way that we could help them. Uh, we'll see here, just got a bit of a data sheet here, and you can see from July uh, 2020 to June 2021, and you can see the peaks there in August, January, February and March. And usually that occurred when there were hotspots declared, and it didn't matter if it was in Queensland, uh, New South Wales or Victoria, we saw an increase of people going in for swabs, which is a great thing that people thought, well, I feel like I'm getting a cold, so go in and have a swab. So that's something that we could assist them with. Okay, so um, when we go into our service delivery and the adaptions that we made, so during those early stages of the pandemic, uh, we've got a waterfall road uh, facility, which we call the hub, and that's at uh, Nambour, just across from the Nambour Hospital. So we were um, had to lock the doors and couldn't get walk-ins, so we had to find another way to communicate with our community. So they could ring the phone um, number, come out and we could actually support them through getting referrals to other area with the community health. Um, and of course, pre-screening phone calls before appointments became business as usual and that still occurs today. So we make sure that uh, if people are unwell that they can either reschedule their appointments. Um, and that also became part of our community home visit risk assessments. And uh, continuing then on to encourage community and staff to seek swab tests if they had become symptomatic or if they felt that other family were unwell as well, to encourage the clients and patients to attend centre-based appointments and where the environment could be more controlled, like with um, infection control. So our team is growing at the moment and within it we have three patient-focused uh, programs. We have the hospital liaison officers, we have the community health program and the preventable hospitalisation program. So the HLOs have been kept pretty busy over the pandemic. Before they would uh, attend ward to see patients, they would call and screen those patients up on ward to make sure that they didn't have any signs or symptoms. They'd also be busy checking IMR to make sure they didn't have any positive PCRs before going up. Uh, they had to learn how to don and doff PPE like a lot of us. They also had to go out and engage with family members that wanted to come and visit. Because we had changes, they had to go out and liaise with them and make sure that there was an understanding that there might be a point where you can only have a one-on-one -on -one situation. And it might be challenging because some people have large families and so they have to try and navigate that with that family to do those things. For us in the PHP and the CHP out in community, uh, with our usual work as well, we had to add on some pastoral care components. So we were calling patients that we hadn't seen in quite some time elders, having that conversation, do they understand that information that's being spoken about in the news, conversations about mm -hmm. vaccine hesitancy? So we were lucky enough as well to also get some funding in the community health program to take on a social worker to support anybody that's having any issues in regards to mental health. And so after some of the uh, pandemic uh, sort of started to slow down a bit through July and August 2020, we uh, brought back our Deadly Young Persons programs within the schools. So we started with Gympie and uh, did the Mountain Creek uh, State High Schools. And we also introduced uh, elders gatherings. So 
This was where we could get the elders to choose topics on which they wanted to know about. And uh, surprisingly, uh, one of the first things was they wanted to know more about the advanced health directives. Uh, they'd heard stories in community around people passing from this uh, virus, so they wanted to make sure they had their things in place. So uh, we actually invited a representative from the end-of-life care program to come along and talk to the elders about what these uh, documents mean and how to actually go about filling one in and needing to talk with their GPs about that. So that was a, a huge positive. And they also chose the topic for the next one, which happened in September, where they wanted to talk about being tech savvy with mobile devices, smart devices, how to use the QR code readers and also how to use videos when talking to their family via social media. So um, we get them to tell us what they want to know about. And then, of course, later on, they wanted to know more about COVID and to um, stamp out that misinformation that was coming through community. So we get them to tell us what they want. Excellent. So our learnings. So our time saved in adopting new technologies. I'm sure we're all teams out zoomed out, we've all been on camera enough, but for us in our HHS it covers quite a large area and so instead of having to say if I'm based at Caloundra, get in a car, travel up to Gympie, do my meeting and then come back, which is not really efficient, we've decided we're actually going to keep Teams as a bit of a BAU now and that's actually fitting in quite well. Uh, mental health and keeping connected, I think as a nation we're beginning to really understand that, I think there's more work there, but within our team the importance of being connected to each other, being connected to community and engaging on these things. And connecting to that, small acts of kindness, those little simple things, a phone call or an email here and there to a colleague, hey, how are you, just want to check in, haven't heard from you in a while. Those things just, they meant a lot to people. And so moving on through to 2020, some of our strengths um, were those actual um, contacts in community and letting everyone know that they could call us if they had any questions. But we also uh, put them into contact with the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Nursing Service available on 13 Health. So that was a, a great resource to tap into. And uh, relationships with our public health team. Uh, we would often ask them to come along to um, talk with the elders around COVID. So that was one of the things that we organised. So some of our opportunities to improve, staff shortages. Uh, I'm sure we're all dealt with this. Uh, somebody got COVID, they were off for 14 days and then it was seven days. We also had to deal with the usual rec leaves, turnover of staff, secondments. I was in a fever clinic earlier this year, all geared up, swabbing noses. One of our nurses was seconded off to a virtual ward to support. So as a team, we've had to learn how to navigate those roles and responsibilities that we all have. Increased rates of change of information. I don't know about you, but I felt like sometimes information changed minute on the minute. Mm -hmm. And it's not just enough for us to shoot an email off and go, right, you've got the information, you should know that. It's important for us in our team meetings and in conversation, what does this mean to you? How does this information affect your work? How are you going to have to change? So make sure we've got some understanding of that information. And finally, our plans, our adaptability of planning. So I'm sure like you, we did a lot of planning, a lot of planning for a whole bunch of different scenarios. The thing was, we'd get new information. We would adapt on the ground as people, but the plan probably wasn't as adaptable. So in future, we'll be more principle-based focused in our planning rather than prescriptive. Okay. 
So thank you, everyone. Uh, any questions for us? As always, thank you for listening to our podcast and taking the time to learn about the wonderful work of Queensland's frontline clinicians. To continue the conversation, head on over to Facebook, Twitter or Instagram and let us know of any pockets of excellence you think deserve to be showcased. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Clinical Excellence Queensland.